I'm Jenny Galuzzo, co-founder of The Second Shift. Welcome to our podcast where we talk all things women, work, and well-being, how they intersect, our competing forces, and how to create and maintain personal and professional alignment in your life. Let's do this. I discovered Ton Lay when I was cruising around social media and her profile jumped out to me because of her theory about energy management. And I'd never heard it before. And what she says is, if you have a goal, if you have a, a desire to start a business, change jobs, start a side hustle, whatever it is, you can't just move towards the goal with a bunch of lists and like, you know, being super productive. It's that you have to work with your own energy. Everyone has their own personal energy cycles and you have to break old habits and old patterns and then create the list and move forward. And that's going to be a much more fluid and seamless way to reach a goal than just trying to like bulldoze your way through. So I thought it was great. I think that she has a really interesting perspective. Enough from me. Enjoy the conversation. Here you go, Ton Lay. So to start, when I think about social media, I think about how social media is really like a double-edged sword because there's a part of it that like, I want to turn it all off, ignore it, and it makes people feel insecure. There's so much feeling of lack and everybody else is doing this and I'm not. But then there's other things that you really discover through social media and you can find such cool shit and such interesting people and that's such a benefit. And one of those people is Ton Lay, who I discovered, I don't even know, but through, <laughs> through Instagram and TikTok and just exploring people who were served up as I've been putting more and more about the second shift on there. So now we're doing this podcast and here you are. And so Yay. I feel like that was like a weird serendipity that I got to find you. Amazing. And I'm so happy that you reached out too. I was like, oh my God, this person is amazing. And the stuff that you do is is so, I just love it. I, I loved every part as I was going through your, your platform as well. And so I thank you for you know having this space. So you have a company called Let's Get Organized. Mm -hmm. And you specifically work in energy management. Mm -hmm. The audience for the second shift and the majority of our community are women who are, I would say like 35 and up, who are heavily in the stream of their life. And it's like the career and it's the family or it's obligations or it's dealing with unrealized dreams and yeah. feeling overwhelmed in the life path that you've taken or the family choices that you've made. So we try to figure out for the women we work with how to optimize and make sure that your life feels like you're really fulfilled in all areas. And if you're yeah. not, you're figuring out why you're not. Exactly. Yeah. What does energy management exactly mean? Yeah. So the way that I look at energy management, so going back, a lot of us are trying to manage our time. Like I can't get to this because I don't have time. And so here we are with our to-do list, our calendars, and we're trying to, to make time for everything. That means like your job, your career, your family, your friends, your partners, anyone and anything. We're always trying to 
manage our time. And so it becomes this thing where it's like, it's part of this hustle culture of like getting to as many things as possible. And kind of like what you mentioned earlier about social media, it shows these images, especially for women, that other folks are doing more than us, that they're fulfilling all these things. They're having their vacation. They have a beautiful family. They're chilling with their friends, drinking rosé. And so we have this image of like the relationships and the kind of life we want, but we're trying to do it from a lens of, if I could only manage my time better, I can fit all of these things in. But the thing is like, you can manage time all you want, but if you don't have the energy or you're getting sick, And I think the way that I look at things stems from more of like a work culture. So if you don't have any energy to do any of this, what are you doing? How are you going to get to it? So, and the other big thing is like just getting sick. So when folks are just constantly pushing and pushing and pushing themselves to be everything, what ends up happening is that you actually will eventually, sooner or later, get knocked out period. And then are you going to be able to get to those things that matter? And the thing is like, we don't even know, most people don't even know what matters. It's like, oh, this is the image that I believe is the ideal lifestyle for me. And so you're chasing this lifestyle, you're chasing this dream, you're chasing this is what I'm supposed to be, when maybe truly, deeply, that is not even what you want in life. That's not even your priority in life. And so when it comes to energy management, what I do is I help people figure out how to manage also time. So I'm not taking the time piece away from it, but how to also manage their energy. So for example, some folks are early birds. We all know them. They wake up at four, they go for a run. Then they go home, shower, eat breakfast, go to work. Boom. It's like the perfect ideal schedule that we see all the time. It's like, oh my God, all these entrepreneurs are living this type of life. But the thing is, I've met so many people and innately and also naturally don't have that type of predisposition. So for me, I'm sorry, I'm not a morning riser. I've never been. And when I took my 23 and me. <laughs> It also shows like what type of, you know, how your your body actually responds to the sun too. And so for me, I was called like labeled like a mid-riser or something along those lines. So we're talking about like nine-ish, 10-ish, like that's actually my time to rise and when I start easing into the day. And so my productivity personally is around the about 10 to 2. Anything before that, I'm like super sluggish. I have my coffee and I just really can't get into a headspace. Um, Whereas other people can wake up, have that energy, move into their day, but they also slump at certain times too. And we all have this rising and this falling. And so that's one aspect of energy management. And the other is thinking of yourself as a cycle. So thinking of yourself and the the best example I can give because most folks understand is the yin and the yang. There's times when you need to be active and there's times where you need to rest, recover. And this goes into athletes too. I also use performance athletes as an example of folks who need to manage their energy, but we all are performance athletes at the end of the day because we need fuel to do what we do. 
And we're sitting at the computer, most of us, hours and hours on in working, being super sedentary, not moving our body. And I'm totally guilty of this. And so that does something for our health and our energy as well. And knowing that, that has to be considered. Like we need to treat ourselves just like performance athletes treat themselves. We are performing. We are producing whether or not we want to or, you know, we like it or not. We live in a culture and a society where there has to be some type of contribution for you to make a living. And that's just the reality of it. And so when we think about energy management, we have to think about the resting and the recovery or AKA what people call these days, like self-care. Yeah. That's, that's literally what it is. It's like, how do I nourish myself? How do I rest in the way that works for me? How do I manage my you know, predispositions in life? And so if you know you need, you need nine hours of sleep, then you need nine hours of sleep. Some people can do it in seven. Do you think the issue is that people are so busy being busy that they don't really pay attention to themselves and then they don't prioritize what their body mind are saying because they haven't created the space to even listen. Yes. Or the the ability yes. to have the time. So it's like that's the energy and then the time piece of it is creating the time to actually yes. do what's best you for got you. It. Yeah, 100. And so I sometimes facilitate uh, mindfulness workshops too. And one of the very the easiest, and anyone can go to YouTube to, to find this type of meditation, but doing even the body scan is a very simple technique to, like you said, drop into the body because nearly every single time that I teach these like workshops at a corporate event or even with my own clients, someone always says, I didn't even realize I felt X, Y, Z. Some people are like, I didn't realize I had a headache. Like it's very teeny tiny feeling, but until I sat down, I realized I was developing a headache. And we can say the same thing with our entire life. It's like, there are certain things that our bodies are already telling us, but because we're so busy, being busy, doing things that are, are external to us, that we don't even notice what our body is telling us. Or someone would say, this one is common. I didn't realize I was tensing like my forehead so much or my jaw. I didn't realize I was clinching this entire time. Or my shoulders were like stiff. And then I realized as we we're doing the meditation and the body scan, that I was like, oh, oops. Like I didn't realize I was that tense here. I didn't realize that my breath was super shallow. That's a, you know, an indicator too. And also the way you breathe. So if you're breathing through your chest normally, that's just like the anxiety is like built there. And if you're having shallow breaths there, it usually means that there's a level of anxiety. And then from there, you have to think about, well, why is it that way? What am I doing? And again, because we're so busy, we don't even get to that part. And we do this compounded over years or decades for some of us. And again, one day you wake up and you know you blow out your back or something, or you get super sick and you're out for a couple of, instead of like a week, you're out for like months. 
And so hey, you're yeah. very young. I'm not, you know, oh, I'm not oh, saying I'm yeah. not saying this in in like uh-huh. any sort of like, you know, negative way. But no. I'm so impressed because you're very like enlightened and seem to have a very, you know, I don't think I'm that light, but <laughs> no, but uh, but you your perspective seems very mature for somebody who's like I don't know what age you are, but I'm I'm looking. I'm in at your you. demographic. I'm in your demographic. But you yeah. see, so how did you come to do this? How did this become your like profession? Where? What's your background? Yeah, yeah. So um, my last job was at Amazon. So I was there for all four years. And when I say all four years, I mean, that's when you get to take all your stock that you got. Uh-huh. <laughs> so we got restricted stock units. Um, so that's a term like uh, maybe a few folks definitely will know. But I stayed there and I was like, four year hits. You're like, let me cash out, take my money. I did my time and I'm out. But during those years, what was, I guess, enlightening for me, was working internationally and just seeing how people are in other countries and healthcare was a big thing or like how people in Europe would make comments about us. And I'm like, gosh, you're right. Like you Americans work all the time. Like, I don't understand why you do this. Or in Germany, for example, a lot of them don't have laptops that are issued by their company. They literally go into work where there is an actual computer, old school desktop. They work and the Germans work fairly or they're known stereotypically. um, And from my experience, very efficiently. (laughs) And they go home at five or six. Like you're done. Like they need you out of the building and they need you gone. There's no such thing of like staying super late to get something done. And so when I was witnessing this, I think for me, it made me question, why the hell am I working like this? Why are my colleagues from other countries, like after you get out of university, you automatically get what, a month off as vacation? And that starts off at a month when you're like 22. And then it builds up from that or something along those lines. But it it just made me think like, what the fuck? <laughs> like, what am I doing? Like, what is happening here? That was where I got a lot of my insights from, was literally observing other people and watching how other systems work in, in, in different countries and even hearing the commentary or the lifestyle of gap years. Everyone I knew over there was like, oh yeah, when I graduated high school, when I graduated uni, I went this long trip of a year just having fun. And at that time, things have changed since the pandemic. But at that time, I didn't know very, maybe less than five people that actually went on an excursion after they graduated. I didn't know anyone else. Everyone like went from university to their jobs. No rest in between, maybe a month off as a transition from university to their job. But it it was just this foreign concept to me. And then also like my late father oddly played a big part in it. And one of the biggest things that he told me when I was, it was like 10 p.m. at night, I was on FaceTime with him. And he was just like, why are you at the office? Why are you always at the office? It's 10 p.m. Like, go have fun. 
And he's like, I didn't work this hard. And he's, you know, an immigrant, a refugee. And he was just like, I didn't work this hard for you to work this hard. And That's it an made interesting perspective. It made me sad. And he has a different relationship. He loves my sister. So like they're like that, that type of relationship. He's like, just look at your younger sister. When five o'clock rolls around, she leaves work and she enjoys her time with her friends and they eat dinner and they do all these things. And here you are. And I was just like not having it at that time when he told me. But when I thought about it, it did make sense. And he was just like, why are you not living is basically the underlying of it. It's like, why are you doing this? And why are you always tired? Because I was working so many different time zones at that time, I felt like I felt like in this dream tired state where you're doing things and you know you're doing things, but because you're just so tired that it's just like this haze, this level of just like doing it because you have to do it, but you're not into it, but you're also not into it. And it's just like life was just kind of like passing me by and I didn't have enough energy to do anything else. So. Okay, so now you're doing this and you're helping other people. I like the the line, you're creating time and space and energy for your dream job or your side hustle and helping other people do that. Mm-hmm. Is that what you did for yourself like Basically, by creating this? Like, yeah. Learned how to do it and then you're taking that information for others? Yeah, it was so funny. Like this was not my idea at all. Like when I left that job and I took a year off for my my own personal adult gap year, which I think is a great term, and it's I really a, enjoy that. And I yes, you know, and and it's kind of rebranding the idea when people are like, oh, I, I took time off and I have a gap in my resume. I'm like, or it's a gap year. That's a you know, it's just really how you frame it in your own head and in into the the universe. Yeah, and it was just like. I left and I was like, I'm never going to return back home or basically return back to work. And at that time, people were just like asking me how I did it. And I was like, I don't want to even talk about it. I don't want to talk about work. I don't want to talk about this at all. And so I spent that year and even more. And at that time, my father passed away. So this is really when things went to a head where during that gap year, my dad got really sick and passed away. And I spent, actually, even I spent it in the hospital with him. And I even before then, I spent like a month at home. And that was really that sign to me that says you cannot go back. I was like, because these moments that you were able to get with him is what you want moving forward. And it doesn't matter if it's with him, it's if it's with like, it's with with anyone I love, like, because that's important to me, relationships and being with people is important to me. And I didn't ever want to miss out on those moments ever again. And so I was like, what do I do for a living? (laughs) Like, I didn't want to do this. And, you know, people were reaching out for me to do like consulting from a tech space. But even when I was doing, I was like rolling my eyes after I got off. Like, I don't want to talk about tech. Like, I don't want to do any of this stuff anymore. It's not fun for me. And so I got a random desk job. I was a receptionist at like a wellness center. And at that time too, skipping a little bit, like before that time I was doing meditation, Reiki and all that stuff for myself as a coping mechanism. And that's why I created that space that you were talking about, like finally creating that space to like actually think about things. 
And so I was doing them specifically because I was trying to cope with a busy schedule and coping with not ever having that energy to really do what I love. So during that end of those four years, during my third and fourth year within that company, I started doing this as a way like people pick up exercise. So I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, do these meditation classes. Oh, I'll, you know, find me a Reiki person so that I can get Reiki. And then I'm like, oh, I'm starting to feel better. I'm starting to have time to really journal these things out. And so again, I was like, all right, here's what I know. I know that I don't want to be here. (laughs) And I know that I need to figure out how to get to this other side. Like, I know I want to spend time with people. How the hell do I do that? So I got a receptionist job. And then I was like, hey, y'all, I know how to hand roll incense. (laughs) Would anyone like to buy this from me? And then that became a thing where it's like, I'll buy it from you. And they initially started with my friends. It's like, cool, you can hand roll incense. I'm like, yeah, I can. And so I actually have another, this is more of my side hustle is like I hand roll incense from scratch. I don't even know what that means. It just, okay. <laughs> what does that even mean? That? How, like, how does what you hand, okay, we can let's like pause that because I don't even know what like hand roll incense means, but yes, cool. Yeah. That seems yeah. like a cool thing to know how to do. Yeah. And it's just like something that I learned how to do. And I was like, do you know, like back in the day, people actually use plants and fire and water to create things. (laughs) And that's literally what it is. It's literally aromatic plants, a bamboo stick to roll it on, water, a grinder, pestle and mortar. I don't do pestle and mortar now because it's time consuming unless I, you know, I'm doing small, tiny batches, but that's it. And then you light it up and poof. There you go. You have an incense. And I mean, this is for centuries. People have done this. And so it's just like that was part of that process of rediscovering like fun new things and having, again, that time and space to like do these things. And it's tactile. And what I'm finding post pandemic or even during the pandemic that people were so craving touch, even if it's like craft even if it's like taking care of plants, like that became a huge thing. And now you have so many folks who have green thumbs and are growing, which I think is beautiful. But yeah, so it was just like, it was doing that. Okay. So fast forward, Mm -hmm. you take all of this knowledge and you've now created basically your own system of how you help people do what you did. And, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And I know that there's like a few steps. There's like the reassess step, And then Mm -hmm. there's the plan step and then there's the modify step. And it's taking people through this process of figuring out, kind of like shepherding them from one side of that, from one place in life to another and creating the system for people to be able to do that. I love that (laughs) Shepherding. I was like, yes. And it's whatever it is that they are going from one goal to another or from one phase to another of life, yeah, you help them get there. So what are the three different steps and how do people mm-hmm. put it into action in their life? I mean, if they can't all work with you. <laughs> but- yeah, yeah, yeah. So definitely when we reassess, so I have a model, I have like a pyramid basically of how to move forward. So at the base 
of the pyramid, if you're looking at it, it's basically your energy, hence energy management. So number one, you need to know how to operate and how to manage your own energy first. Like you need to know yourself. And then you also need to know the energy of your environment as well. So that all plays together. So if you're in a chaotic household, that would definitely pull your energy down. And the environment is really hard to control. I know that for a fact, but you have to understand how this plays as a part of how you operate. And we try our best for things that we can control when it comes to environment. Let's control it. So if your house is a mess, let's declutter. Like I will help you through that. But we need to have that base foundation first before we can even move to anything else. Because if you don't understand that, and I give you like, here's your, here's your, you know, next year plan of action. And you don't even know how to take care of this. You can't even move forward because you're so tired. And then you're going to fall back to what you were doing. So that's kind of the base. Once that's there, then we can start with really, and that's the, where the reassess comes from. It's like, we, let's just look at your life. So that's really, like you said, how's your personal energy, which we talked about? Like, mm-hmm. who are you? How do you work? Mm-hmm. And then understanding how to use that and work with it. Yes. And then understanding the like environment that you're in and how to create something where it works together with your own personal energy 100. instead of working against it. Yes. Again, it goes back to let's move with the flow. If we're talking in cycles and we're, we're talking about flows here. And, you know, this can be for those who use like the moon as a way of thinking about cycles of at the full moon, you should be super active. Whereas at the new moon, you know, this is where you're planning your planning phase. Like we need to work with what we have or what we know we have. And that's the base of it. And then from there, we go up to looking at your goals, looking at what you want out of life, like really and truly look at it, not what you see on Instagram, not what you saw on TikTok, but truly what is it that you're even aiming for? What's your North Star? So that goes back into this North Star thing where it's like, what's leading you? So for me personally, my North Star is I want to spend time with people I love. And so without even knowing that, if you don't know that, then you can't figure out the how part. And I think that comes it's like, oh, well, I saw someone did it like this and that was their plan. I was like, okay, cool. But what's pushing them? You don't know. It's like, what's pushing you? And most people don't know because they haven't taken that time. And that's what we do together. It's like, all right, cool. Like I have an idea of what you think is important. Let's dig into that. And then we go into more practical stuff, you know, setting smart goals and then breaking that down further into like, okay, we have these goals how are we going to get there? Let's break it down even more. What's the timeline? Those are the things most people understand. But when we talk about energy again, when we're creating this, things are being brought up. Fears are being brought up at this time where it's like, well, I don't think I can, you know, X, Y, Z. It's like, okay, let's talk about that. Like what's going on here. And so this is where you know, that planning comes in, we can plan all we want. So we reassess, we plan. And this is that that planning part. It's like, all right, cool. We know your North Star. We have the tools to get you there. We're going to make this together. We're going to come up with this blueprint of this year. We break it down by quarters. We break it down by month. We break it down, if you need, by weeks. 
And so we look at that all together, but the modification is when we're starting to put it into practice. And that, that is the hard part. That's where people are like, oh, give me all the tools. Yes, I can totally give you all the tools. But the modification and that integration piece is the most, well, they're all important. It's the doing, right? That's the doing. It's really easy to sit around and make a plan and to think about things because that doesn't actually, I mean, it takes effort, but it's also mental effort. So you don't actually have to change anything. You're just thinking about it. Yes. And then- Putting that into practice and making a habit out of doing things that you've outlined is honestly, it's the hardest part, it's right? the hardest part. And we can say that with working out. Like we all, in, in a degree, we all know what it takes, I don't know, to get a six pack. Like we all know. We all know how to eat healthy. We all, we all do. But do we? That's the problem. And that's where I think some people are like, well, then why get a coach? Well, why get a trainer? Why is performance athletes? Why do they have an entire team? So regardless of you're paying for this or not, I want people to think about it as you need a team or a community behind you to help you through this because it's so fucking hard when you don't have that team behind you. And that's accountability. Be, that's the it's accountability. Account- it's accountability. It's whether that be a therapist, whether that be a coach or a guide, or your friend that's also in this journey with you. I, I just don't care. I, for me, it's like, I care that you know that you need a team to help you break certain habits or make new habits or rituals. I call them rituals because I feel like it has a deeper meaning, a why attached to it, whether than habits are just like, meh. But this is where that team is important. And you have to see yourself as a Again, I don't know if performance athletes is the best term to use, but you have to see yourself that important. And you are. Well, it's your own life. So you only get to do it once. If, do you want it to be the Kobe Bryant of your life? Or do you want to like, yes. you know, be a bench warmer? Yeah. How do you want to view your life in terms of what you want to get out of it and how you want to view yourself? 100. But it takes a lot of effort. And I, I know for our audience, people who feel like they're so time constrained and feel like they're pulled in a million different directions. And there's so much invisible labor and emotional load put on them. And maybe it's like, I'm thinking about going back to work or leaving my job, or I really want to leave this job and start this thing. Yeah. But those, that seems so massive. It's, it is. It, it massive and and the, the time the amount of time that it feels like you're going to need to put into that effort or even just to add to an already busy schedule mm-hmm. sometimes is like an overwhelming thing that could just be like a dead end block yeah yes i find a lot of the times when we redo that schedule of theirs they do find pockets of time. And then when we redo that North Star, that's where you can really put your foot down on your priorities. Like, well, why are you working on this if it's not even your priority? Like you already told me what your priority was. So that's the accountability part yeah. of it. And I yeah. definitely see that with people. There's a lot of like talk. And, yes. and I personally believe that there's like, time is kind of expandable. And there's room for everything if you make the room for it. And it's up to you to decide 
mm-hmm. where you're putting your effort, time, and priorities. Yeah. And you can't always do all the things all the time, but you have Correct. to decide what are the things in what order to get you to where you want to be. 100. And the other thing is fear. Yeah. That's really hard. And it's in my life too. And for a lot of women, a lot of the fear for change is based on security. So when I work with with folks, this comes up a lot. And so this is where it becomes like where I can definitely relate to this of being like, what if I lose all my money? What if, like, what if? And so we address that and it does come up for a lot of them. Actually, it's like, yeah, but you have this secure job with the regular paycheck. You have your insurance. Like that's why we start with like side hustle or passion projects before we even jump to making that a full time. And that you probably need someone else. I'm not the right person for that, but I can help you through the process of like, yeah, but if this passion project is what you're passionate about, why aren't you doing it? Even if it's one day out of the week or or like an hour a week or an hour every month, if you're telling me that this is what you're passionate about, and it could even be watercoloring, let's just say that here you are, you're an artist, you love it. But why, why are we not, what's happening here? Right. And so a lot, it comes down to oftentimes we have to address where that fear is coming from. And then sometimes I'm also there with kind of like pushing and nudging like, yeah, but could you put in like 30 minutes and then they'll make a verbal agreement. And like you said, that'll be the accountability. But oftentimes what I find is it's fear that has to be addressed before. So again, going back to, for me, like moving full time into this for a lot of folks, when it comes to like changing careers, it's, it's about security. And so we come up, we address that fear. We address like, okay, worst case scenario. Let's just say you do go broke. Let's just say worst case. So we do like worst case scenarios. And I love doing this because that means we have a plan for if it does happen. And so in their mind, they're already thinking, okay, at least I know what's going to happen if I do end up quote unquote failing. This is how like my next steps for that. And it makes them feel like, oh, okay, it's not as bad. You know, you're not going to go live out in the streets. Most likely that's not going to happen. Yeah, you might have to change your living situation. But for something that you believe is amazing and fulfilling to your life, are you willing to change even locations? housing environment, living environment to reach this? And for most people, the answer is like, yeah, now that you say it, then fine. Living with roommates, not the worst, you know, the worst thing. I mean, I live with roommates. They're just two small boys. And, (laughs) um, and, you know, that, that's a, that's a reality for a lot of parents and, you know, women who are later in their lives or later in their careers. I also think something that you talk a lot about that's really interesting is just the cultural norms as well. And when you're a third culture kid or Mm -hmm. you're, you know, for the women in my generation, I would say a lot of it was like, just suck it up. Like you didn't have like the opportunity of thinking about like, well, I'm just gonna like have a side hustle and a passion project. That wasn't like a thing that people did or even thought about gap years. It was like, you did this and then you did this and that's what it goes. And then all of a sudden 
you wake up one day and you're like, oh, I now have like three kids or and this job I don't really love or I've always mm-hmm. wanted to do this thing. And there's so much that's in your head about what you can't do or shouldn't do or mm-hmm. who you are attached to your own job life identity. Mm-hmm. How do you break through those norms when it's not necessarily coming from your heart? It's coming from how you were raised, what your culture is. Yeah, it's really hard. And it comes down to creating healthy boundaries, which is really hard for a lot of people to do. So for, for me specifically, when it comes to a lot of folks are responsible for their mom or their dad. And that's a cultural thing where it's like, hey, we gave you all these opportunities for you to pursue to get a degree, first off, for a lot of folks. And that took them a lot of work. That takes them, both parents, if they have it, and then for them, for their parents to work often. So there's this expectation like, okay, now you got to give back. And so I think for a lot of folks, it's dealing with that. And, and we'll, we'll walk through the scenarios there too, where it's like, okay, well, you're giving back to your family. Is there any way that either we can limit it or we can have other siblings come in or other family members come in to also share that responsibility and commitments? And I think this is where also working with your community too is helpful because we can't do it by ourselves. Sometimes you got to pull those siblings in. So for me, a lot of, and, and for my clients, a lot of it has to do with just boundaries, creating that space where it's like, I would love to talk to you and I will come over to your house like once a week at this time, but I need this for myself. And again, if they're not agreeing to it, then that's something that we have to work with. And I know it's hard for a lot of people to put their foot down. So we do baby steps where it's like, is there a tiny barrier that you can put and to lay down those boundaries so that you can focus on your health? That's the first thing. Usually it has to do with just your wellness in general. And then having that space created in between, but then also not neglecting the wanting of helping. Like we want you to help your family, but at the same time, it can't consume your entire life. So that's really hard to work with, to be honest. And and it's trying to create the sweet spot when it comes to boundaries. I think that's smart because it's like figuring out how to put like small little boundaries around yourself into bigger ones. Mm-hmm. And I, I think about that, like if somebody's feeling so pulled in a million different directions and as a parent and a, a child and a, a partner, how do you slowly put a boundary to create space for yourself. Yeah. And so you can even go forward and think about yeah. how to be, you yeah. know, what your needs are and what your fears are and what you want from life. Because a lot of times women will come to me and they want to do these these big things, right? They yeah. want to leave their job or they want to, um, they're just, they're big. Yeah. And they get to the point where like, they've reached the end of what they think is tolerable and they're, and they just are like, I'm going to quit or I'm going to go do this thing. And I'll say like, well, okay, why? Have you even like come to the why, but they haven't created any space to have any real introspection. It's reactive. Yes. 
And you're going to find the same problems again, regardless. Let's just say, and, and that was also my thing too, when people were like, how do I do a gap year? I was like, to be quite honest, like if you're going to return to your job or do whatever, and you haven't figured out the reason why you're so unhappy, you're going to be unhappy at the next place you're at. You're just going to take this and you're just going to shift these dissatisfaction anywhere you go if you haven't thought about it. And again, I don't know what the answer is for parents. It's the same thing. Yeah, it's the same yeah. thing. It's, <laughs> it's the same reassessing and looking at your life and going in and taking out your goals and your fears and what do you want and how do you have the time to do it? It's the same thing. It's just harder in some ways because you're what's sitting on your shoulders is really big. Yeah. And, yeah. and there's a million ways to rationalize doing nothing. Oh, or, 100. Oh, because you're like, yeah, I could, you know, you could fill your time with a thousand things as a parent and put yourself last, which is what people do. And then yeah. they get lost in that mess of their life. Yeah. What I found with some of my friends with young children, and I love that they do this, is like one of my, one of my girlfriends, every day she works out, doesn't matter what. And it's just that one hour where it's like, leave me alone. <laughs> yeah. And like, and let me have this time. For me, that's what I see as also part of nourishment too. Because for her to run that household and be in this full-blown amazing career doing what she does, that tiny hour is a thing that nourishes her. And I'm just like, that's literally what it is. That's that reset or that's the way that you nourish yourself. And most people don't know what it is that they need to be nourished. Okay, last thing. I really love the, you have a whole thing online and, and I I don't know if it has a name, but it's kind mm. of like your morning visualization. And I started doing this this year mm. because every morning with my two boys, was becoming so chaotic and so yeah. crazy. And I wound up like, I would be like off all day because I was so yelling and, and just yeah. wound up in the morning that then the rest of the day was like in a bad mood. And I would be like, you ruined my morning. And, you yeah. know, and then my whole day is ruined. So what I started doing, and and I want you to talk about what you call it or how you, how you think of it is like- yeah doing what you do where like I literally visualize the whole day from yep. start to finish. I walk through it and how I want it to go and how it's going to like, and then this is going to happen. And, and it's like, then it kind of does. And if it doesn't, yeah. I'm far less shaken, especially in the morning. If I'm like, okay, I, I've now, this yeah. is how the day is going to go. And you're not going to like throw me off. Yeah. 100. So in the morning, I know a lot of us we wake up and we're like, our to-do list. It's like this flying to-do list that's happening. Like things that we need to check off. That free-floating anxiety. Just Oh like, yeah. It's just boom. like for some people, yeah, it's just like this needs to happen. So, all right, you're already doing that. So let's just change the way that you're doing that in the morning. And for me, I'm like, before I get out of bed, it's like, okay, I'm going to like, I literally visualize my entire day where I go, okay, I'm going to fix myself a latte. And then after that, I'm going to sit at my desk and journal. And after that, I have, you know, I need to go, you know, get lunch or whatever it is. And so you visualize your entire day, every single step. So 
this is what I learned also recently is like every single day, most of the actions that we take are very habitual. They say like 70% of what we do in a day is extremely habitual. So this visualization for me, it's good because it like allows me to walk through my day and just feel like I know what I'm expecting. But if you're also wanting to like break habits or form new habits, it's a good way to do it because there's two types of memory. One is episodic. And again, I'm not an expert. And two is procedural memory. Episodic is things that you know, like the emotions and the feelings that you had on your date, you know, like whatever, a long time ago, or that moment where, you know, you and your mom were together and you had this beautiful chat and you can smell and, you know, the place that you're at. And then we have these things called procedural memory, where it's literally like, it's a protocol. It's your step one, step two, step three, step four, you know, and this is what we run down. So every single day that we are living and walking, most of us are operating in this mind of procedurals, like wake up, get coffee, get dressed, you know, whatever it is that we, we step through. And so we have these things where we want to make these changes in our lives, but we're still acting with like these protocols every single day that is like of our old self when we're trying to change something new. And so when we're trying to change and shift into like either a new identity per se, like I'm a woman with a full-time job and a side hustle. That's a different identity. You're not this full-time person anymore. You're a full-time person with a cool side gig, but we're still operating from this place of the past rather than adding new things or habits that will form us into this new person. So even running in that in the morning and also knowing again, your North star, it's like, okay, I'm going to do this and this, and this is feeding into my North star. And then you're feeling good about it. Or when it comes to energy management, and I use this as an example, I think recently where I'm like, and I do it with like doctor's appointment. I don't like them. I've never liked them. And so for me, I have to manage how I feel and what I do before and afterwards to make sure that I get through it in a way that I'm okay. And I love doing things I did when as a kid that made me feel good. So for me, I love the lollipops that I got when I was a child from the doctor's office. And now I'm an adult. I can get myself a gelato. I can get myself a full-blown, like, I don't know, go to any bakeries, like, I don't care. I'm an adult. I can get these things for myself. You know, I can get three or four. So it's just setting up your day where you're feeling like, okay, I know I'm going to go in a downward motion or things aren't going to feel good. Or if the news is bad, this is the next step afterwards. Like go sit, go chill, have a chat with maybe your friend or something. If, if, you know, you know, something is, is coming up. So yeah, that's, that's basically it. But you're, you're imagining every single step of your day and you're imagining every single interaction and even interaction with other people. I'd love for it to be, even this talk today, I was like, this is going to be a nice chat. Like, this is going to be fun. And it is fun. So I'm just like, it okay, is, it's is, great. Yeah. You just go in and you're like, okay, this is kind of how I think it's just nice. So how do you make work work for you? That's our tagline and my last question. And I always like to ask how people make it work for them. Like, is there something that you have a trick on? Like you just said, you know, is there uh, 
I mean, your whole job is making work work for other people. Yeah. How do you think about it in terms of your life? Is there some oh, trick yeah. you do or or place that you prioritize or Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How do I keeping okay. things happy? Yeah, 100. So <laughs> there's only certain times that I take clients. So I have like themes. I day, you know, in my week, I create themes for it. So Monday is like marketing Monday, and today is Finance Fridays, you know, and that also goes with, so Finance Friday also is not only business finance, but also like my personal finance too, because I'm someone who gets like super hung up on just in general, financial stuff gets me kind of riled up or I get really uncomfortable, but I address it and it's literally maybe 15, 30 minutes, um, unless I'm doing my own bookkeeping. That's, that's a whole nother thing. But again, I have Finance Friday to take care of those those things. And so I have these two. And then I make it a point to also not see people at certain times. And so I sometimes work late, but I'll actually schedule my emails to go out in the following mornings. Because number one, I don't want people emailing me at 10 p.m. at night at all. But for me, that's how I work. But I also don't want to have folks emailing thinking that I'm going to respond. Because I have those boundaries where I'm like, you know what? I work from 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. And that's kind of when I'm going to address all my clients. You know, if I if I do it anytime later, there's a schedule sin. You have it on. I used to do this at work all the time on Outlook. And yeah. people used to be like talking to me and my email would come in at nine. And they're just like, wait, did you just send that email while we're just talking? And then I was like, Oh, I scheduled that last night because I work at that time. Like I was working at 10 p.m. at night, but I don't want people to be slacking me at that time because that's my time and I chose to work at that time. And so it's just a boundary thing. That's great advice. I know I think that's yeah. great advice. Thank you so much. Now, I, I want people to be able to find you. So can you just say where you're available and if people want to learn more about your business and then I'll let you go on with your finances today. Thank you. Thank you. So you can find me on ton-lay.com. So T-A-W-N-L-E.com. So that's my website. And then also uh, my Instagram, which is tin underscore ton. So T-H-I-N-H underscore T-A-W-N. But if you go to my website, the link is all there. And I will put it up as well. Yay. Thank you for taking your Thank time you, to Jenny. do this. I appreciate it. I know I know how busy you are and um thank you. It was great to talk with you. Thank you so much. This was wonderful. Thank you so much for joining the conversation. For more, you can follow along at thesecondshift.com. Please rate, review, subscribe and help us make work work for you and for all women.